Okay, good evening everyone. It's Dai Shihan Miller, or good morning, or good afternoon, or whenever you're watching this. Might be nice if I didn't turn my camera off. How about that? <laughs> That's funny. All right, so, a little glitch in the system. Anyway, uh, episode 126, and we're ready to get started here as soon as I uh, push the right buttons. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, well, at least to me it was funny. All right, here we go. So, the big question is this. How are self-defense and success-minded people like us, concerned citizens worried about protecting ourselves, our loved ones, and the things we care about from the monsters we know exist in the world? How do we train in a way that gives us the skills, knowledge, and understanding we need without becoming paranoid fighters or killers ourselves, and yet still allows us to be the hero protector the world needs us to be? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Jeffrey Miller, and welcome to Kudan Radio. Real training for real people in a real world. And that is my story. Well, kind of. Anyway, welcome everyone, and we're ready to start another one. I thought I'd go all spiritual woo-woo on you this time. Not really. Uh, we're going to be talking about psychology, which is the way I look at our Mikyo train anyway, right? Uh, psychology long before Freud and Jung and all those guys were even um, possibilities, right? So anyway, um, I was uh, working with one of my mentors, and this topic came up about, um, and I'd actually considered naming this episode <laughs> the same thing that he was talking about, right? Uh, but then I would have had to water it down to not have a YouTube or platform ding or whatever, right? Um, but... Um, you know, it's the F word that rhymes with screwed. You know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> uh, but he was talking about how uh, if we're not careful, right, we can literally screw ourselves, right? And it all has to do with um, labeling, right? It's this natural thing, right? Uh, in our Mikio training, uh, there's this one, well, and actually the precursors to Mikio, because Mikio's kind of third development. Just like if you're, you know, in, in your martial arts training, right, you've got basics, where you're working on mechanics and things like that, right? And then you get your intermediate stuff where you're working on dynamics, right? So in the basics, mechanic stuff, right, it's all about you, right? How to position your body, how to make the fist, how to deliver a kick, balance, structure, shielding, all those kind of things. Yeah, I know, you can be working with a partner, but if your focus is in the wrong place, right? If you're trying to focus on moving like uh, one of the master teachers in Japan or, or Hatsumi Sensei when he was still teaching and all those things, right? If, if that's what you're trying to do and you're not forming the same kind of foundation, the same kind of solid base that they did, well, it can look like it, but is it really it? I'm not splitting hairs, right? But anyway, so like the Shuhari model, right? Um, or Mikyo and the precursor stuff uh, works the same way, right? So, the, the foundation, right, is about you. It's it's getting the basics and the key hone and the uh, you know, the basic premises, right? These realizations that other people had and made and whatnot. And then you're not supposed to believe these things, right? Mikyo and the precursor. I'm going to use the, a bad word for for a lot of people, right? The Buddhist word, right? Um, it's not a proselytizing religion, right? What that means is we don't go around going Buddha saves, right? Now, are there denominations or groups that might? Sure, right? But it's it's a path, right? And it's about waking up and 
and shaking off delusion, avoiding the illusions that other people, you know, might try to pass around or that might be imbued um, in the in the culture and whatnot. Right. But either way. Right. You start off by learning certain truths. Right. I'm making air quotes for those of you on Apple podcast and Stitcher and whatnot. Right. So. Um, certain truths, but these truths were discovered by other people, right? Um, by other aspirants, students, practitioners, whatever, right? And they're things that you're supposed to rediscover, right? You're supposed to come to an understanding of them, not like an academic school, memorize them so that ego can regurgitate them and then sound like it knows, okay? So, again, first level, right, you're introduced to these basics, just like in, in our art and in, in the self-defense arts, we're, we're introduced to Kamai, or if you're not in uh, Nitsu or whatnot, then you're introduced to, like, Dachi stances, those kind of things, right? Um, and, and the different elements, right? And then the next stage, right, again, we're focusing on, you know, martial arts-wise, we're focusing on dynamics, right? Timing, distancing, angling, right? Those kind of things, right? In in the, the the spiritual realm, in either in either realm, right? We go from focusing on ourselves. Where does my hand go? Where does where do I step? What's the angle? What's the timing? Whatever, right? We go from that to focusing on him. So now my timing, distancing, angling, and all that is based on him. And I get it, right? People want to get there fast, right? They want to take the easiest route. So what they end up doing is trying to skip over things, but what ends up happening more often than not, this is, again, these are my discoveries. I'm not here to preach or, or anything like that, right? These are just discoveries, right? This is how I came to understand this stuff. What ends up happening is that uh, we think we're doing it right, but we're not really lined up with him. And the reason for that is because I keep stepping back at the same angle, right? Somebody said 45 degrees, so I always step 45 degrees, right? When that's an expedient in the beginning, right? There are lots of expedients, okay? I don't care what denomination, church, religion, uh, occupation, vocation, whatever you're in, right? They give you these expedients. As a matter of fact, I was just having a conversation. Let's get my hair cut today because uh, my wife and I are leaving on a cruise. Uh, very, very well, we're leaving to go on a cruise very early tomorrow morning, right? Um, and so I was getting my hair cut. Uh, coincidentally, my stepson's uh, Air Force recruiter was also getting his hair cut, right? So, you know, we just struck up this little conversation, right? And uh, what we were just very briefly discussing was how in the military, right, you go to basic training, right, and most of basic training is designed to get you to work well as a member of a team, right? Discipline, following orders, instructions, those kind of things, right? So you can operate as a part of a unit. That doesn't mean you give up your individual thought, but it means that you're able to work as a cohesive team. Those people who can't drop the, you know what, screw that, I'm not doing that, right? That doesn't make any they just wash you out, right? Nice try, nice talking to you, have a nice day, right? Um, interesting statistic for all those people that are, like, all against the military complex and all that kind of crap, right? Only 1% of the 
of any given nation, group of people or whatever, 1%, right, ever joins the military, right? And they're the ones responsible for making sure that everybody else can talk smack about everything else, right? So anyway, um, so you get a basic training, right? But then after basic training, you have your school, right? Because when you enlisted, uh, for those of you who went through this process, I apologize for like, you know, telling you something you already know. This is for everybody else, right? So you go to basic training, and uh, what they're doing is weeding through people, getting everybody to work as a cohesive unit, right? Follow orders. Uh, if you need to move, move now because when the bullets are flying, we don't have time for you to get around to getting ready like you do when you're cleaning your room or deciding whether or not you're going to take that step uh, toward success or you're going to get off your ass and practice or whatever. We don't have time for that, right? Things need to be done now. Move, right? So... But then after that, before you get to your first duty station, your first full-time unit, right, uh, you go to uh, the school, right, for whatever. Well, like I said, when you were um, uh, signing up, when you were signing your contract and all that, right, sometimes people go, you know what, whatever you need, I'll do that, right? I just want to be a part of the military, right? But more often than not, they show you these jobs that you qualify based on an aptitude test. And then you pick something, right? So after basic training, you go to the school for that job that you chose, right? So a lot of people, like my, my stepson didn't understand it at, in the beginning because he's only going to be there for like, I'm only there for 41 days. How much can I learn in freaking 41 days? Well, see, but you're not there to learn everything about the job. About the job. You're there to learn the keyhole. You're there to learn the fundamentals, Right. So that you're not, you know, deer in the headlights when you get your, to your first duty station. What they're doing is they're covering the basics. So when you get to your first duty station, they can train you because it's their job to train you in the actual job that that unit does within that grand scheme. Right. When I was a military policeman, uh, luckily, because what I signed up for was law enforcement duty, but I could have ended up security. I could have ended up what they call a tower rat, right? Because um, I was a Cold War soldier. So across Europe and all that, we had all these like nuclear uh, like tomahawk sites and all that kind of stuff. And so all the towers were manned by military policemen, right? Most people hear policemen and they think arresting and writing tickets and all that kind of stuff. But a lot of these guys never worked a day on the road in their lives, but they had this military occupational specialty, right? Um, in the Air Force, it's called tech school. Uh, for me, it was called AIT, Advanced Individual Training, whatever, right? But here's this here's this next block, right? So uh, anyway, so there's this there's this phasing, right? And and there's a process, right? And if you skip over a part of the process, or you shortcut a part of the process, it doesn't matter what ego wants. You're you can have a problem deluding yourself, right? And we'll come back to this because this is this is where labeling comes in. And it's not just about martial arts. It's not just about Mikio. These things are just guides, right, that point in a certain direction, right? Uh, there's a quote circulating around the, uh, around the Internet uh, one, that Hatsumi Sensei uh, had mentioned a bunch, a bunch of years back. Um, he's taught it in classes, but it ended up in a book or two and, you know, that kind of stuff, right? But he was always admonishing people to not be so focused on the kata, 
Yes, you need them, right? But the kata are not an end unto themselves. The point of training isn't to learn kata. Learning kata is the beginning of the process, right? Again, the quote is something like, and again, I'm paraphrasing, right? The kata is not the point of the training, right? The kata only indicates where you need to start, right? So, but we've got, and we've had them since the mid 80s when people realized that this art had kata because there was a concerted effort early on by Hatsumisete and the senior teachers to not mention things like that because they wanted us to get the principles and concepts because most of us had come from other martial arts already. Nine out of 10 people walking in the door had martial arts experience, right? So it, it was time for us to jump into principles and concepts, which made which helped make sense out of why the forms looked like they did, as opposed to coming from traditions where here's the form, don't screw with it, right? You don't change anything. So um, anyway, right? So we've got this this base where you learn these these kihon, right? It's all about you. Then you move to this level of dynamics, and now it's all about him. So in Mikyo, we have this realm of the bodhisattva, right? There's actually four stages. I think I've taught, taught on this in the past. And um, if anybody's interested, I'm going to be relaunching um, our ninja mind and our first step, seven steps on the path of a Buddha uh, training in the coming uh, weeks. Right. We're going to start one in October and that kind of thing. They're like 10 week courses that walk you through these things. We'll start with ninja mind because it's the. Mm, it's the. It's a good way to say this, right? It's not as foreign as the other one would be, right? So the shock value is not there as much, right? And it allows us to, you know, borrow the martial arts as a, as a kind of way to point at these things, right? But anyway, right? Um, so we're going to be doing these programs. So if you're interested, uh, in a couple of days here, we're going to have uh, uh, registration uh, things up. It can only take so many. I can only take like 20 students. So, um, you know, either one in or, you know, whatever. So anyway, so in our art, right, you're focusing on the other guy, right? So all your basics, you're learning to fit in and, and adapt to whatever he's doing, right? So in the beginning, you started off, everything was against ski, right? This straight on attack. Didn't matter if it was a punch, a grab, a kick, whatever, right? Front stomp kicks, everything's straight line, right? Each thing, one line, right? But meanwhile, back in the reality of the Western world of the 21st century, what about the guys that are throwing frickin' uh, right crosses and uppercuts and all that kind of stuff, right? So you need to break through the model, understand what it's teaching, and then apply the lesson, not the form. You apply the lesson to these different things, right? So, again, adaptation and all that, right? In the spiritual realm, this is getting more worldly. Right. This is putting your your ego. Right. Checking it at the door, setting it off to the side and being there 100 percent for the person or people you're trying to help. Right. This is like being an instructor. Right. On the floor. It's not about me. It's not about my training. It's not even about me learning. I might have little aha moments as I'm teaching because I'll hear myself say something, but it's not about me. Okay. Way too many instructors. And I'm making air quotes again for those guys on audio only, right? Way too many instructors waste their students' time 
practicing for themselves on the floor, right? Instead of teaching students so they can get to that level, right? And it's, it's done for many, many different reasons, one of which is um, laziness, right? If I can teach and practice at the same time, I don't have to dedicate extra time for my own practice and kill two birds with one stone. Except what they end up doing is keeping their training group really, really small because they're confusing the shit out of their students or they're holding their students to higher standards than they should be because of where they are. Right. Or there's no standards, in which case people are freaking confused. They don't know where they are, what they should be working on. Every class is different. Right. And there's, you know, here's a teacher, but they're certainly not a mentor or a guide. Right. So, again, I, I know how that's going to irritate the crap out of some people, but I had to come to grips with that myself as well. Right. So anyway, you have that. And then, right, you grow beyond things and then everything you go from like principles and concepts and all that to like all you need is a fleeting thought as a reminder. Right. Um, a lot of us, right, we've been around for a long time. A lot of you have been around for a long time. So at this point, you don't need to be educated as much as you need to be reminded about things you already know, but you either forgot or you try not to practice or you know you need to do it, but, okay? So there's there's plenty. I mean, between YouTube and Vimeo and all that kind of crap that's out there, right? This guy's program, that guy's program. I mean, I've got one, too. I've got, how many programs do we have, James? A butt ton, right? So um, get, the problem for most people these days, unless they're brand new to the art, isn't that they need more lessons. The problem is that they need help in executing the damn lessons because they're only accountable to themselves. And so they don't have an imperative reason because they don't have somebody knocking on a regular basis saying, did you get it done? Did you do that? Where are you? What did you discover? Okay. So Mikio's, Mikio is, is the same way, right? So we have this uh, Hinayana or Theravada, right? Hinayana, um, lesser vehicle. It's, it implies the Theravada stuff, original primitive stuff, you know, um, base, right? Here's all the... What we would call kihon, right? Here are all the fundamental truths that have been discovered, but you're going to have to do the work and explore these things so that you can rediscover them for, the, from yourself, for yourselves. So you're not doing what comes easy for human beings, and that's to take the dogmatic road, right? Here's dogma. That's what people argue over, this denomination over that denomination, this belief or faith over that one or whatever. That's just, it's dogma, right? And as one of my friends has a bumper sticker on his car, right? It says, excuse me, I apologize. I think my dogma, I think my karma ran over your dogma. Um, it's just a little joke kind of thing. But anyway, right? Some are going to get it, some are not. Anyway, so, um, but it's, it's work to be done, right? And then you get to a certain point where you get it for you, but is there more? Well, there is, but you have to spend your time helping other people get it. Not preaching, right? Helping them get it. So there has to be compassion and all that. Otherwise, it's just ego flaring a second time and it'll get bigger, right? Um, so you're helping other people. And what ends up happening, you put yourself, you put your, you check your ego at the door, you put yourself on hold, right? 
technically you're putting your own search for enlightenment or mastery or whatever on hold uh, so that you can help other people. But what ends up happening is you become more deeply enlightened. You become more deeply knowledgeable, skilled or whatever. It's like when you're teaching, right? In spite of yourself, because you're not just learning for you. You're now learning for how many different learning types, right? How many different uh, uh, walks of life do these people come from? How many different backgrounds? How many different ways could people be confused, right? And you have to help them through that, right, by stepping into their shoes, so to speak, right? So you end up understanding the subject way more. Just like in the intermediate stages, we start, we, we apply Koku or Shiaku or Tangeki or whatever kata we're using, right? Uh, the the Kionapo, the Sanshin, whatever, right? We're applying them to not just straight punches anymore, not just straight kicks, right? Applying them to roundhouses, crescent kicks, uh, you know, haymakers, right crosses, uppercuts, jab cross combinations, and all that, so that you end up understanding things way, way more. So again, you just you have this stuff, right? So it's a process, okay? Anyway, within Mikyo, when I say Mikyo, to me, Mikyo encompasses all the stuff that was necessary to get to understand this stuff. And there is no shortcut, right? Unless you're a born prodigy, in which case you don't need this stuff because you should already know, right? Uh, sometimes they're called naturals, but either way, right? So the the top layer by by its very nature, by default, encompasses all this other stuff because it was necessary to get there. So anyway, um, so when I when I mention these things, don't think that you can just jump right into. Well, I mean, I guess you can, but you're still going to need about a year or three to work out the lower level stuff because Mikyo is all based on what's what's called the simulacrum which means that everything is symbolic of something bigger, a huge lesson, a huge insight, all that, right? So a syllable uttered, a color, a shape, whatever, is symbolic of. You could memorize them, but it doesn't mean shit. It doesn't mean that you know anything, right? So anyway, back to the story, right? Or back to the back to the thing. So we're discussing this stuff. We're discussing labels, right? So it got me thinking about Mikio and how we have this, um, many, many different ways to, to discuss the law of karma or cause and effect, right? Action, okay? And the base lesson that good actions, directed mindful actions, produce positive outcomes, positive things, good situations. Most times. <laughs> bad actions produce negative, bad, misguided, painful, whatever outcomes. Most times, okay, because karma comes in two varieties, right? There's primary or direct karma, which is the thing that we could follow, right? He did that to me or said that to me, and that made me this way, and so that made me do this thing. And then when I did that and they did, see, that's a, that's, that's a, a line. We can see that, right? So there's primary karma, but there's also secondary karma, and there's like, innumerable in the, in the teachings it says innumerable right what that means is there's some that you can recognize but there's so much going on right just like rain drops landing on a puddle right 
one or two, three, whatever are landing, but if it's a downpour, holy shit, right? It's just all over the place, and it's too much to keep track of, right? So uh, one of those lessons for teaching karma is known as the 12-fold chain of dependent origination, or just simply dependent origination, right? So if you've ever seen like a Tibetan Wheel of Life or whatever, this outer ring has these segments on it that have like people, right? The very top one has uh, uh, an old person who's blind, right? Uh, with a rope around their waist, and then it kind of leads back like a lead, right? And there's a younger person with a blindfold on, right? And it's the blind leading the blind, right? It's ignorance, not knowing any better. And then it just keeps leading around, right? Well, the third and fourth links in the chain, I'm not going to go through all of them because that's not, that's what we're not, not what we're doing tonight. The third and fourth chains points to this idea of labeling that my mentor was talking about, okay? And how labeling can fuck you up, can, can screw you up, okay? Uh-oh. Hopefully YouTube doesn't ping us, but maybe I twisted it enough. Anyway, so how it can screw you up, right? Because when people look at these lessons, right, they're looking at it like, oh, okay, all right, so that's bad, and that if that's bad, that, you know, because ignorance, right? Ignorance begets volition. Volition just means action, thought, word, deed, whatever, right? Ignorance begets volition, volition begets consciousness, consciousness begets name and form, and it just keeps going from there, right? So the initial premise is ignorance is the root of all of these things, and it, it will produce all this crap on the outside, right? But, and again, based on my deep dives and, and looking at this and all this kind of stuff, right? Not telling you you have to look at things any, any differently or whatever, just kind of letting you know what this led me to, okay? That these lessons can be shared in one or another way, but ultimately it's just a lesson. It, the point of it is to learn the point of it, not it, because anybody can memorize these 12 things in order and then regurgitate back the basic lessons and all that. But what about when it's really happening? Okay. So anyway, so we have ignorance begets volition, action. Again, actions can be thoughts. They can be words, designs, plans, whatever, right? Uh, they can be intent. They can be whatever, right? Emotions, whatever. And then, uh, uh, Deed, right? Action, right? Whatever you're executing on, whatever, okay? So, uh, ignorance, volition, volition begets consciousness because the more we do things, the more we bump into things, right? Internally, I'm pointing at my head for those of you audio and audio only, right? Um, or externally, right? Out in the world, right? We interact with other people. We try something. We interact with it. Doesn't matter if it's an inanimate object. Doesn't matter if it's another person. Doesn't matter if it's a group we're in. Doesn't matter. Okay. Doesn't matter if we're reading a book and we're engaging with uh, the ideas and the story or whatever. Right. These things are happening. And then consciousness, right? This awareness, this this bumping into and and seeing things, right? Begets name and form, right? So what ends up happening is we start naming the things, right? The objects, the situations, the emotions, the interactions, whatever, 
right? We just start naming these things, okay? So here we are back at this labeling thing. And so what my mentor was talking about was how, and again, this goes right back to Mikyo, and I, he's well-read, so he's not, he's not Buddhist, he's not Hindu, he's not whatever, right? He's just a well-read person, okay? And so, uh, but this was my anchor point, and this is just kind of what popped up. So he was talking about how um, most people are where they are and not where they want to be because of the way they label things, okay, including themselves. And once we apply a label, right, if we're not clear that that's an expedient, because ego's lazy, right? We slap a label on something, now we don't have to think about it anymore, right? That person's fat. That person's ugly. That per- And then we see them a couple years later, and they're like, that's not you, right? Because in our head, for all that time, we had a snapshot, right? We had a, we had a picture that was taken, and never changed, okay? Because that's them, right? It was just, it's the easy route, right? So, again, because the, the, the initial lesson is laid out for, uh, for new people to explain how the process happens and how we keep, we end up feeling like we're on a merry-go-round, right? Um, as a matter of fact, samsara, the word samsara, um, what a lot of people call the Buddhist hell, right? It's not a place. Samsara is the everyday world, right? But the word samsara means to go around very much, right? And so it's that what goes around comes around, same shit, different day, whatever. You want to merry-go-around and you just keep going around and around and around, right? So it's a way to explain the process and why it just keeps feeding itself, right? And why we don't go anywhere. So when we're talking about consciousness beginning name and form, in the initial stages, right, even in our martial arts, right, we're given these other names or we're given these names for kata, names for techniques or whatever. These things become like cherished. Ooh, this is cool, right? Okay. So name and form, right? So it's like everybody else's fault that I think the way I do and why I'm trapped because whatever, right? The white patriarchy, your parents or whatever, right? Everybody, the massive, mass hypnosis, whatever, right? So um, I am the way I am because of all this programming I got, okay? <clears throat> not not true, but it's only a part of it, okay? Because in the early stages, you had to have reference points to not fall off the freaking chair or to fall down the steps or whatever, every day of your life, okay, to not eat the scissors and, you know, rip open your throat or whatever, right? You needed those things, just like we need kata, just like we need the kyonopo, just like, just like, just like, right? But then you start, you, you hit a point where you start questioning things, right? Is that really true, right? And in that process, if we're not careful, what can happen is, we bump into somebody who sounds like they, they've got it all figured out, right? And they're playing the blame game, right? It's not your fault. It's not your fault you are where you are, right? It's X, Y, Z. It's those people over there. It's that thing over there. You know, oh, look at all this atrocity that's going on in the world. 
and look how bad things are, right? That's the problem, right? And then what ends up happening? Well, you just substituted one framework for an old one. All you did was swap it out, but are you any happier? Are you any more clear? Well, we can be clear, but don't forget that, you know, there's illusions and delusions, okay? One guy can blow smoke and hope, you know, fabricate this illusion in front of you. But if you grab it, buy into it, and live by it, right? same thing with me, right? Then it's not an illusion anymore. It's a delusion, right? So, again, this, this consciousness, right? We're now aware of something, right? And now it's being named, and we're giving form to something. But here's the question. Do the labels, do the names on the forms, do they serve you? And if they serve you, what are they serving? Well, I'm going to include myself because I'm still working through this stuff, right? What are they doing for me? What's the payoff? Right? I remember a time in my life where the payoff was I get to feel superior because I know what the problem is. I can't fix it, but I know what the problem is. And so now I can demean, belittle, and, and, and attack those people over there, right? But what was really happening at the time was I was just pissing myself off more and more. Because not only am I clear about the problem, but I can't fix it. But you know what? In all honesty, I wasn't trying to fix it. Right? I was convincing other people, right, by guilt, shame, all kinds of things, right, that they should fix it, right? Let's guilt and shame all the rich people so they give away all their money, and that'll fix all the problems. Will it? I know we can believe it, right? But there's also history and plenty of data, right, that shows that maybe it's not that simple. Anyway, and I'm not arguing with anybody. Okay? Again, this is my path. You want to argue my experience and my path? Um, that's a tree you can bark up all day long because I won't be home. Anyway, so, <clears throat> but what I found was it didn't move me any closer to being the kind of person I wanted to be, to be as successful as I wanted to be, to be as skilled as I want to be, to be as happy, to be as in control of myself, as confident, as powerful. didn't move me anywhere closer. Right? I could talk it. I could tell people stories or act a certain way that convinced them that I was the grand poobah of the leftist order of the righteous son or whatever, whatever, right? But I really wasn't. Nothing changed. And sometimes it did change, but it went in the wrong direction. Because now... You know, now I'm looking back on all this stuff. It was the labeling, right? And the labeling started with the labels I applied to myself. Because ultimately, right, <clears throat> I'm an Anglo-Saxon or Caucasian, right, of Native American descent who was born on this planet in the northern Northwestern Hemisphere, right, in the United States, a place called the United States, right, state of Pennsylvania, 
city of Harrisburg, right? I haven't moved that far from the region, but I've explored more of the world, right? All these things, right? And all those things kind of condition, right, and anchor me in a certain place. But because I've explored other things, that kind of opens the envelope and, and kind of moves things out. But the labeling, right, some of it came from other people. I remember the first time I, I discovered religion. I started really paying attention to the signs because I walked back and forth to school and all that kind of stuff. So walking past and what I realized was, well, that's a Catholic church. That's a Lutheran church. And that's a, and that's a, and that. What's with the names, right? Um, and, you know, people started to explain denominations and all that. So I go home and I look at my stepdad and I go, um, like, which church do we go to? And he says, we're Methodist. Well, I don't even think I asked which church we went to. I said, like, what religion are we? And he said, we're Methodist. Well, can I be a Catholic or can I be this, that? No, you were, you were born a Methodist. So my little kid mind, right, I'm thinking, do I, is my blood a certain color because of this designation or whatever, right? It's like a, it's like a lineage kind of thing, right? It wasn't until way, way later in my life that I realized that I had these other options, but then what it required me to do is go around and explore what was behind the label, right? What could I relate to? What, you know, those kind of things, right? But more to the point, and this is what, this is where teachers in this art, because remember I came at Mikyo, I came at all this Buddhist and Hindu and Veda and, and Upanishads and all this kind of stuff through the back door because I got it through Nimpo, right? So it's kind of a backwards way of getting at it, but it'll, it allowed me to, to, to look at these things. And when my teachers taught about labels and name and form and all that, right, there was always this, this cautious optimism, right, that you can do well, but you, you have to explore these labels. You have to explore this stuff that you've, you've attached to yourself. Right. Because they're guiding everything. They're filtering everything. Right. I am. Now, there's certain things that are true. Right. I have lived on this planet from the time I came out of the womb. Right. The science tells us we've existed all the way back and came from starlight. But and I don't mean woo woo starlight. Right. I mean. Right. So but either way, I came out of the womb. Right. And I've gone around on this planet. I've gone around our sun. Almost 60 times. Right. Almost 60 times. Well, this is my 60th year, so this is the 60th trip around the sun, okay? So there, there are truths or facts in that direction, right? I have a certain genetic makeup, right, uh, that causes certain things to have, right? Like uh, my, my joke from my Native American side is the only thing I got from the white man was blue eyes, male pattern baldness, and hair growing in fucking places. I don't want it. But anyway, <laughs> it is what it is, right? So no offense to all my other Caucasian brothers and sisters. <laughs> anyway, so, um, but some, some I got from other people, like this, this Methodist thing, right, that I had to go and explore. But what about all the things that, like, I tried certain things and failed or tried certain things and succeeded. And then because it worked a couple of times, enough for me to get confident that I was either bad at that 
Like for years, I gave myself a label as I was terrible at math. Right? I was terrible at math. You know where that came from? Right? It came in between ninth and 10th grade. 10th and 11th grade, sorry. 10th and 11th grade. I was going through a vocational technical school for architecture. And that's a whole background kind of thing, right? Because I grew up liking to draw and all that kind of stuff, right? And I wanted to be an artist, okay? Well, my stepdad, and some of you guys know the story about that, right? Anyway, told me that artists are a dime a dozen. I'll never make any money doing that. So find something that makes money. Well, what am I? 16, 15, 16, 17, in that range, right? So I start thinking, because I'm, I'm getting older, I'm starting to recognize occupations, those kind of things, right? So I start making this connection, right? I mean, I'm an artist. I mean, that was a label I gave myself. And because I gave myself, myself that label, I bought all kinds of art books for sketching faces and, and parts of bodies and, and animals and trees and, and all that kind of stuff. I would just, like, all in, right, because I was that thing, right? Well, guess what kind of books or guess what kind of uh, classes and homework I shied away from? Yeah, math. But I'll get there, right? So um, 10th grade, right, I go to this vocational technical school because I'm going to be an architect, right? My stepdad uh, had somebody at, at wherever he worked, right? They had draftsmen and all that. This guy buys me this or gifts this uh, draftsman set to me that has a couple of compasses and and. Uh, mechanical pencils and all that things for you know making designs that will eventually be turned into blueprints right and so that lasted for a little while because I made this connection right art art architecture I could design houses architecture okay cool right so I go all in on this right I start studying like uh, diff three different types of uh, like columns and and building structures. I was studying cathedrals and, and different columns, Byzantine and, and Roman arches and all kinds of things, right? And then I went to my first year in vocational technical school that was supposed to lead me toward being an architect, right? Drafting and design. Sat on my ass for nine months, half a day each day drawing lines and circles and having to do math equations to come up with making sure these things came together exactly right so that the engineers and the, and the, the contractors and all that, when they built this thing, the damn thing didn't fall apart, right? So I had to make sure, and every time I did one, took it up to the teacher, he said, how'd you get that line? How'd you get that arc? Oh, if you were on audio only, you can't see the face I just made, right? It was just, oh, it was frustrating, right? And suddenly, like, I don't want to be an architect anymore, right? Because there's a lot of jobs between where I started and being an architect. Because I didn't have to be an architect, right? I could work for a manufacturing company designing gears, pulleys, levers, whatever, right? No, I couldn't. Because <laughs> what I discovered during those nine months was I can't sit on my ass for half a day drawing lines and circles. I certainly wasn't going to be able to do it all day long, five days a week or more for the rest of my damn life. Just was not doable. And the process, I got involved in some other things and whatnot and got, involved, got interested in law enforcement. Same school had this, this law enforcement uh, program. So I thought, cool, I'll just change classes. 
I'm in a three-year program. I just wasted it. Well, I didn't really waste a year, right? See, the label I have on that now is I learned what I needed to learn, not in the class, but about the class, to not believe that I have to be that. Because some people start something and won't quit because that's not what you do, right? I committed to this. So, therefore, no matter how terrible it is, right? And some people jump into really awesome things, but there's some not so great things. Or as they get better and better, there's more things that they have to handle. And now it's got their head swimming. And instead of learning other tr- other other skill sets like leadership and delegation and uh, managing teams, so that you're not the one running around trying to do everything, right? Instead of doing those things, or at least writing things out until you things get to a point, right, where you can do that, you can build teams and whatnot, right, um, and they just fold, right? Well, I, you know, this is too aggravating. Life's not life's not pretty anymore, right? Um, but I'm going to get back to this labeling thing because we need to talk about why things piss people off. Anyway, or why they screw themselves. Anyway, so... <clears throat> um, I want, to, I want to make this change, right? The drafting a design leading toward architecture, right? Uh, program was a three-year program. Well, I just ate up one of them. Law enforcement and security was only a two-year program. Awesome, right? I'm not going to miss anything. This is great. Should be able to transfer. I go to get information for transferring. You can't transfer. Okay? The So... I, this is long before I was a ninja, but my ninja mind, right, because I think I've always been a problem solver. What I asked was, there's no way to make this happen. And they said, the only way for you to get out of that program is for you to fail your prerequisite. My prerequisite was Algebra 2 and Geometry. Really? So if I fail that... How, how do I get this other program? Well, if you fail that, we're not just going to boot you to the curb. I mean, if you want to switch to another program after that, you can do that. So I spent the rest of my 10th grade year failing math, not bothering to learn the lessons until I got to a point where I didn't understand the lessons. Okay? And then I slipped and forgot that instead of, like, you seeing this, look, it was an expedient, right? I failed the class. Because once, see, all my information gathering told me I could fail the class for Votech. But for my high school, I could go to summer school, ace the program, still graduate to the next year. See? see. <gasps> but you failed, and you did it on purpose. Yeah. It was the only way to, to get to point B, right? So, um so I did all those things, but somewhere in there, I lost sight of the expedient nature of my actions and ended up, you know, and it was also reinforced because every time I'd bump into somebody who would talk about not liking math or whatever, I go, oh, man, me too, me too, me too, me too, hate math, oh, yeah, oh, whatever, right? And eventually, my subconscious believed me, right? And then... I got into business. 
and uh, I needed math. <laughs> so <laughs> I had to pull it out, dust it out, and the things I can do now in my head, uh, I never, you know, well, I probably thought I could do it way back before I pulled the expedient move. But either way, right, what ended up happening was the labeling, right, like when I was a police officer, right, and I went to traffic accident investigation school. This was after, right, I graduated from high school. I'm a military policeman. I go to this school, right? And so I was relieved that they gave us predetermined formulas for establishing speed before impact, uh, curbs, all kinds of things, right? Because we were doing accident investigation. So I was relieved because they gave us the formula. Because by that time, I convinced myself that I was a math moron. When in reality... Like, as I was working them, I understood what was going on. But the way I lived my life and the way I handled things. So there were things that were offered to me for promotions and for other jobs and things like that, that would have required, like, statistical processes and all those kind of things. And I turned them down because I hate math. I'm not good at math. I don't want to be good at math. I am. Anything that has I am I need, I want, I must have, those kind of things, right? You got to be careful with those statements because your subconscious ego grabs those things and goes, yep, there's the picture. That's you, right? So anyway, right, long story. But um, between my martial teachers, right, my, my ninjutsu teachers and other mentors, right, this subject kept coming around. Right. And then finally, it was this conversation with this with his mentor where I really started to dive back in and explore this just this small piece of this karmic chain. Right. This 12 fold chain kind of thing. Right. Dependent origination. Consciousness begets name and form. Well, when I was introduced to it, it was all about these. Be careful the labels you give yourself. Right. Um, or be careful. It wasn't really about the labels you give yourself. It was about be careful how you label things, right? Because that creates karma. It creates cause and effect, creates things. But I always took it to mean in, that it was inhibiting things. It was, it was stopping me, preventing me from getting other things. So it was always the negative things, right? It wasn't until recently re-examining this thing, again, based on this mentor's discussion and, and, and things, that I really had to start looking at how it could be used in the positive, right? How it could be used in the positive and how Mikio was always teaching that, right? There was somehow there was this disconnect in my head between bringing an aspect of my personality forward that could have a name like discipline is Jizo or compassion, hearing the cries of others, right. Um, and helping them, right. Feeling this drive, right. Um, because of compassion, right. Kanon, right. Kanon, Jenrizig in Tibetan, um, whatever, right. That there was a disconnect between that and this, this, idea of labeling, right? So what if consciousness, based on the activities that I'm doing, 
right? Consciousness tells me that something's off. Something's amiss. Something could be better. Or something comes into my realm, right? It comes from, it leaves the realm of the unknown unknown, comes into my realm of the known, and I realize, holy shit, I didn't even know that existed. That would really help with this stuff over here. Oh. Now, what if that consciousness, right? Because that's one of the noble eightfold paths, right? Consciousness. Um, what if that caused me to very deliberately apply labels to myself and the process and whatever, right? That was beneficial to moving me forward. I'm going to use labels. I'm going to use terms. I'm going to use vocabulary or whatever. That's not, that's not problematic for me. Okay. Um, so that I'm motivated to move forward. Right. Right. People shun away from things like we don't here. We don't call them problems. We call them opportunities. People are like, it's a problem. Yeah. Okay. But what happens when you solve it? Well, then, right. You're not suffering. You're not. Okay. So. Again, I get to this, right? But then I start thinking about all the I am's, I needs, I have to have, I wants, all those kind of things, right? And how, like, our culture has made human, right? Being human, a mental illness. Now, bear with me for a minute. Okay. Have you ever heard a big pharma ad on television, radio, YouTube ad, whatever, right? Are you tired? Do you feel exhausted? Do you feel worn out? Maybe it's this disorder and, hey, buy our drug and you'll feel right as rain, right? Um, are you depressed? Are you sad or whatever, right? Uh, sometimes, right? But in that same commercial, are they asking you why? Right? Maybe the depression is because I'm freaking bored and I don't know enough about anything outside of my own realm. And so I keep going around in circles and it, I'm depressed because life isn't what mommy and daddy taught me that I could be anything I wanted when I grew up. And, uh, you know, uh, all the fairy tales tell me that at, at a certain point, if I do everything right, and I treat people nicely, and uh, and my fairy godmother shows up, and all that. Then, um, like, I will live happily ever after. And then I discover that life ain't fair, and all this other stuff, right? Okay, that doesn't piss me off, right? Life doesn't have to be fair for me to move on, right? One of my favorite movies of all time is The Matrix, right? I don't know if anybody has ever watched The Matrix, um, but in I think it's number three, right? Morpheus is standing in front of the commander. And, you know, he's saying, look, I need this, this, and this, maybe so we can, like, head these things off at the pass and whatever. And the, the commander wants to just pull everybody back in and do one last stand so that everybody, all the, all the weapons, all the people and everything are in one spot. So we're either going to, like, get all wiped out together or we're going to survive together, 
right? It gets overwhelming odds. Meanwhile, Morpheus wants to go over and screw things up in a different place, right? And so the commander gets frustrated, and he says, damn it, Morpheus, not everyone believes as you do. And Morpheus, without breaking nothing, right, not a flinch, he says, and my belief system does not require that they do. So here's this thing, right? Mikyo, which is again is an outcropping of these these philosophies, right? It's and same thing with Nimpo, right? We're we're not training to become indestructible, right? I'm sorry if that poked a hole in your fantasy balloon, but we're not training to be destruct indestructible. It's about developing as many skills as possible so that we're able to handle as many things as possible and having a better chance than we would have without them to live another day. Another chance to live happily. Another chance to watch our grandkids graduate from high school. Another chance to, do you get the idea, right? So it's about, my, my Nico teacher, Reverend Jikai, used to make this, this reference all the time. He would say, this is not about becoming superhuman. This is about becoming suprahuman, right? Do you understand the difference? Superhuman, right? Beyond, right? We had to get hit with, you know, radiation or stung by a, you know, radioactive spider or whatever, right? This is about becoming superhuman, supra, S-U-P-R-A, supra, which means we are as human as human gets. Right? The word that I was introduced to way back in the day was tatsujin, right? term in ancient uh, in old Japan that was used a lot to refer refer to a sword master, right? But a tatsujin, right? The kanji gene is person, right? But a tatsujin, the name alludes to someone who is a human being developed to their fullest potential. Right? So that sounds all great. And again, you know, way back in the day when I was going through this Mikio training and all that, right? I kept looking at the escaping the suffering, right? First of all, truth, right? Life is suffering. Okay? But everybody looks for the looks for the way out, right? Okay, so if I can drop misdirected desire, if I can follow the noble eightfold path and all that, right? Uh if I can um eliminate the the negative, if I can reduce the negative that I can't eliminate, if I can increase the positive, if I can um, create more positive, right, then, like, you know, I can balance this stuff. What they're really hoping for is they can just eliminate the bad and have the good, right? So then we get caught up, right, because everything's about this utopic fantasy. So then we start applying labels, I'm sad. I don't know what to do. Right? And then that just lingers. I'm a sad person. I'm a depressed person. I'm a whatever. Right? Doesn't, doesn't anything make you happy? No. Really? You were just laughing five minutes ago. Yeah, well, yeah. Didn't last very long. Well, no shit. Okay. The joke only lasted that long. If you're still laughing about a joke somebody told you two hours ago, either that was really one freaking funny joke or it lost its sting. Same thing with sadness. Same thing with 
anger. Same thing with, right? I'm often reminded of the of the analogy of like mastery and some and becoming a master. Symbolically, how's me since I used to discuss this, right? Um, it's like it's like making a sword, right? That beautiful piece of art, right? That can take a life in a split second. Show me one part of the sword making process that if the sword, if the if the steel, if the wood, that the the, the tsuka, uh, whatever, if any part of that that blade, right, were sentient, it were alive, it were living, right? Tell me any part of the process that would have felt good. Well, you know the polishing at the end, right? Really? What is polish? It's abrasive in a liquid suspension. Every part of it, take from the raw iron that's shoved in a furnace and heated white hot and then pulled out and hammered and hammered and hammered, folded and hammered, shoved back in there, right? The process breaks things. The swordsmith has more broken swords in the corner than they ever produce as the things that we all fawn over. Way more. Because the process, you know, the conditions are either right or they're not. Right? So all the hammering, right? All the shaping. Then it's finally in this in this shape and whatnot, right? Then what happens, right? Heat it up one more time. And then it's either dunked in really, really cold water or oil, right? So there's a huge temperature change, right, from way hot to way cold to get the molecular structure to compress, to harden. Certain places are going to be softer because there was clay attached or, you know, attached to it. So that didn't heat up as much, right? That's what causes that bowing to happen. Sometimes it's it's uh, there by design, but other times it's not, right? And so when it goes to that quench, right, it can explode. It can, I mean, some of my knife-making guys and all that can, can expound on this stuff a whole lot better. But anyway, so then that's done, right? Then what happens? Well, then come out the files, grinding and grading to get imperfections off of it, right? More and more. And then the, um, the, the type of rasp or, or file, it's smaller and smaller and smaller. Then it's you know, stone or or uh, sand or abrasive or whatever, right? Because now we're going to start to get that polish on there. We're going to scrape things along the edge to create that that uh, that kisaki, right? The the cutting edge, right? All these things. Now we're going to grab a hunk of wood, right? And then we're going to trace things out based on the 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 tang, right? Lay that down there. We're going to draw this thing out, and then we're going to chop into this thing, right? Grind and gnaw it out. This thing used to be a freaking tree. Right? We're just going to dig all this stuff out. We're going to grind, shape, whittle, whatever, right? Shave pieces of it off, right? Meanwhile, people that think they want to become warriors, I'm not changing. Screw them. This is me. Right? This is the way I am. Really? Okay. End up with a sword. End up with a katana. If you couldn't change any of that, right? If the handle was going to end up being like, uh, you know, just the branch that you broke off the tree. Oh, it didn't break off, right? We're going to wait till it falls off. 
and then hope that it's not so dry now because it's dead, right, that we can't do anything about it. Oh, but wait, we have to bore a hole in it because the tang of the sword. Oh, wait, the sword just had to go through that whole pro- whole damn thing. Handle, scabbard, everything. It's a process of stress. It ends up at the end, not just because of all the nice things. Well, they hammered as nicely as they could. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> right? Right? So why the hell do we think that we're going to end up being this tough badass more than just talking it? Right? I had to ask myself these questions too, right? Um, if we don't go through the tempering process. So, you know, everybody's trying to avoid, and this is natural human condition, right? To avoid the suffering and only go toward things that feel good, right? Sound, smell good, sound good, whatever, right? And avoid all the shits, right? It's just natural, right? And one part of our life should be like that, right? We should be growing beyond our current state, right? If 10 years later, we're still working at the same le- If you like what you do, have at it, right? You're successful, right? But if we're still doing the same things and whatnot, still complaining about the same things, still, you know, yearning after the same things, and we haven't moved more than a couple of millimeters in that direction, maybe there's something wrong with our bullshit and not something wrong with the world. Because there's other people that were in the same condition 10 years ago, and they're way farther forward. Oh, I forgot, right? They had benefits. I don't know. Right. Anyway, so um, but these labels that we apply to ourselves and then we hold on to them. And this becomes the reason that not only I can't get anywhere, but the reason that everybody else is out to get me. The reason that everybody else is like cheating the system or whatever. So. What I'm where I'm thinking these days is that and I, I had to go back through my life. And think about how I got from where I was, right, almost killed before I left home because the abuse was so bad, to almost being killed as a police officer, soldier, (laughs) almost being killed financially, emotionally, or whatever through a marriage or three, right? All these things, right? But they all created strength. They all created vision. They all created a need for other skills so that the next time those things came up, they were easier to navigate or avoid altogether or at least handle. Right. So the, the truth behind the 12-fold chain of dependent origination, the noble, the four, the noble truths, all of these spiritual traditions, right? The truth of it all, right? Is that suffering is natural. It's both a sign that something's amiss, but it's also, it should also be, I have found, right? I'm not telling you what it should be for you. I have found that it points to the need for skills or a thicker skin or the ability to adapt better or whatever, right? Survival of the species. Survival of the fittest. Right? So, but if we're, if we're stopping ourselves from getting those things, right? 
That's not me. I can't do that. I need to have my 15th cup of coffee before I can operate in the morning. Really? Okay. okay. I, every once in a while I have a cup of coffee, right? I have my Diet Pepsi or my Diet Dr. Pepper, so I guess I'm getting my caffeine that way. But I don't think about needing them, right? It's just something I like taste-wise and whatnot. So I'm thirsty. I go grab one, right? I don't need it to get somewhere. I roll out of bed, get my morning routine out of the way, and that means, like, you know, shower, brush my teeth, and go about my business, right? But some days I don't. Some days, if anybody knows my personal life here recently, over the past month, holy shit, right? I was probably at about a 25% productivity level, right? But I've learned to ride those things because I can only do what I can do in the moment, right? And I had there were things that I had to handle that were family-oriented. And again, I've assigned a label to myself, right, because I have to do these things. If I could completely detach, then they wouldn't have affected me at all. But then I would also be a sociopath, and I wouldn't be connected to anybody friendship-wise, love-wise, or whatever. You'd all be just tools. You'd all just be play things for me. Okay? So by attaching, again, another lesson from Mikio, by attaching, right, we set ourselves up for suffering. Okay, Our loved ones become ill. They become frail. They become broken. They die, whatever, right? Um, they go through anguishing moments, and that affects us because we're connected to them. Okay? It's part of the truth of the experience of life. It's part of being fucking human, right? Contrary to what the pharmas, the pharma, the big pharma people are talking about, because they're just trying, they're, they're in business, they're making money. But that doesn't mean I need to, I, I don't need to be controlled by them. Oh, and before you think that by, by condemning them, you're not controlled by them. Let me suggest that if I buy into something, which is what most people think, right? If I buy into it, then I'm being controlled by it. But if I condemn it, I'm not. But what am I doing the whole time? Well, what am I not doing? The whole time I'm bitching and moaning and preaching to other people about how Big Pharma or the government or whatever group or white guys or whatever, right, are doing whatever they're doing. What am I not doing? not doing what I need to be doing to make sure that my life is okay and to whatever, right? So indirectly, I'm still being controlled. But now I'm feeding the fire, right? Because I have to be the evangelist. I have to be the, the, um, uh, the activist. I have to be the, okay? I'm not saying to pick one way or the other. This is this is not about that. I'm just kind of following along with the with the Daishi Han Miller kind of trip, <laughs> whatever, right? Okay. But what I found is that the more I can the more I can recognize that labels are tools, they're tools to help us navigate but they're cautionary tools. 
because they will navigate us in the direction that uh, of the definition that we give them. Okay, it's a definition. Okay, so in Mikio we talk about whenever you have an experience, whatever that experience is, right? The experience gets stored in storehouse consciousness. Okay, most people think just you know, memories, right? But it's not that shallow. Everything that gets stored, everything about that experience, not what just what you saw, what you heard, what you said, what you did, but also what you felt about it, believed about it, and judgmentally assigned value to. Good, bad, indifferent, whatever. All that got stored. And the more that you keep storing about the same thing the same way, the harder it becomes to move in a different direction. And until we ferret those things out, root them out, and and replace them with other things that serve us, as one of my teachers used to say, if we're if we're truly creatures of habit, then isn't it in our best interest to develop habits that we want to be operating when we're on automatic pilot than just and again this goes back um James knows, and we've talked about this in the past. Um, this begins with one of our programs, um, the Life Purpose Discovery Process. Uh, one of the first couple of paragraphs in there, it talks about this is not something you need to do, but it's about living intentionally rather than accidentally, right? And while people, a lot of people, you know, we all think that we're living intentionally, right? But we're all living and making decisions based on habitual Emotions, thoughts, labels, beliefs, decisions, right? I can't possibly do that because that's not me. Well, then you can't possibly get the benefits of that. What benefits? Right? One of the exercises we did in Mikio uh, coming up through was to bring up memories, right? So you bring up memories of positive things, right? And then you bring up memories of negative things, okay? So the positive things, and you bring those up, you put a, a white border around it, like you're looking at a movie screen, right? It's positive. This is great, right? Okay? Then you bring up the negative things, right? Put a black border around it, right? And you really look at these things, right? Why was this negative, right? These things over here, why was that positive? What did that do for me, right? Negative. Oh, well, why was that bad? What did, what did it screw up for me? All that kind of stuff, right? That's only part one. Part two is you bring the positive things back up again and you remove the white boundary and you put a black boundary around it. And you dive in and you look at all the negative that that came out of, right? That was such a good thing, right? I got that trophy. I got that belt. And then I started practicing less and less. Or I got the trophy and then I never did it again. Or I got the trophy and I got to thinking that I'm all freaking all that in a bag of chips. And then a couple of people proved me that I was wrong. So I had to avoid those people. And I had to, right, or whatever, right? I bring up the negative things. This is how I got to where I am, right? One of the ways I got to where I am from being raised by this monstrous asshole that would rather beat and break his family if they didn't comply than to be more of a loving, nurturing human being, right? I had to bring those situations up. Okay, remove the black border and put a white border. What positive came out of that? 
what did I learn from that that allowed to be allowed me to be more successful? Positive? Yeah. How did that screw me up? What did that prevent me from doing? Negative? What did I learn from it? Okay. What skills did I end up developing because of it? All those kind of things, right? So when it, we end up having our experiences, but you've been able to see the positive and negative from both sides. So they all end up with gray borders, right? Because they're all learning opportunities, right? Did I have bad moments? Yeah. Did I have bad days? Yeah. Still do, right? Uh, did I have good moments? Good day. Yeah. But I'm not defined by a temporary situation. What's his, uh, Jimmy Buffett. This musician, Jimmy Buffett, I don't know if you know him or not, Margaritaville, all that stuff, right? He has this song, a permanent reminder of a temporary situation, right? Like a tattoo or a temporary feeling, right? Like a tattoo or a kid, whatever, right? You have all these things, right? So you had this temporary upside, downside or whatever, and then you do something that ends up lasting for a long time marriage or you know you have to now raise a child or whatever right say a few minutes a few moments of pleasure and then you get this right but the same thing happens on the other side right we have a couple of negative things that happen right and then suddenly life sucks and i can't do anything and people's always people are always freaking dumping on me and why does shit keep happening and you know it's you know i'm I'm the, I'm the only one in the family who, like, you know, holds the – no, I am the rock in my family um, based on intelligence, based on worldly knowledge, based on the ability to weather storms and help people get through them because they're shitting their pants and wigging out, okay? But at the same time, right, I also have the power of knowing when I can't help, can't fix, right? So I can be there for you in this realm, but this problem you created for yourself, I can't fix that. And you know what? I'm not going to try because there's a part of my brain that knows you screwed up. Karma's a bitch. Okay? There's another side of my, there's another part of me, right, compassionate, that looks at you and goes, I really feel your pain. Not because I've ever done the things you're doing, but, man, Fear and the anger and the depression and all that kind of stuff that's got to be happening inside because you did this thing. But it's on the mandala, right? On the Taizukai mandala. Enlightenment, fullness of life, and all that kind of stuff happens because we activate as many of these things as possible. But some of these things are over on the intellect side. Very cold, dispassionate, right? Just, it is what it is. That, but that's where clarity comes from, right? Then you got this other side that's emotive and attachment and love and, you know, worldly things and, and whatever, right? But that's where experience comes from, right? So, again, it's only a suggestion, right? I think that we would all be farther along if we stopped defining ourselves by our condition which is temporary. It's fleeting. What's happening to us right now, it, unless we hold on to it, won't be happening to us 
five minutes from now, an hour from now, a day from now, a week from now, whatever. If it is, then hmm. it's not the world. It's not life. Life does what life does. Right? You know what? The universe is huge. Even if it's not the universe, it's a planet, whatever. It's huge. It doesn't give a shit about me. But at the same time, there's energies and and things like that in play. And I don't mean woo-woo. I mean like karmic actions and things like that, right? I've found that the more things I do with good intent and all that, right, the the farther I go. It's kind of like that uh, attracting bees with honey rather than vinegar, right? That kind of thing. But at the same time, bad shit still happens. Why does bad shit happen to good people? Wayne Dwyer wrote a book like that, right? Why does bad, why do bad things happen to good people? Um, because it's life. And to want it to be anything other than what it is, right? We can design the, our, the you know, the life of our dreams. But if that, if there isn't a recognition that there will be challenges along the way, there will be heartbreak along the way, there will be all these things, right? That delusion, right? On the, on the, um, the wheel of life, the Tibetan wheel of life, there are these like six realms that go around and all that kind of stuff, right? There are different places. The heavenly realm or the realm of the gods is at the top. Hell realms at the bottom, these different things, right? But in the middle, right, there, there's this light and dark kind of a, like a yin-yang kind of thing around this center circle. In the center circle, there are the three poisons, okay? Um, desire, uh, ignorance, desire, and hatred, or anger, anger, hatred, right? That kind of thing. They're biting on each other's tails and whatnot, right? But just outside of that, there are these two crescents that come together. It's like the yin-yang. One's light and one's dark. So on the light side, there are these entities that are arising out of hell and climbing toward heaven. On the dark side, it's ones falling from heaven toward hell. And the reason that these things are there, and again, it's all symbolic, right? On the one side, it's showing that with the right kind of perspective, the right kind of tools, skills, all that kind of stuff, desire, whatever, right? One can climb out of the depths of hell, self-imposed or otherwise, right? But if we're not careful, so the God realm is thinking we know everything, right? Just, you know, got all my shit together, right? But as soon as we slip, as soon as the veil of, of perfection is pierced, right? It's kind of like the narcissist. Right. As soon as their their bullshit is pierced and people can see through. Right. They crash hard. Right. Fall. So this ascension and, and dropping. Right. I'm not saying that it doesn't exist, you know, in a, in a grand scheme or whatever. I'm just talking about from this Mikio uh, symbolic kind of thing. Right. There's this ascension from and there's this dropping. There's, there's this falling. Right. Falling from grace, whatever. Right. There are stories in Christianity about fallen angels and whatever. Right. So but the point is, is that there's things that that we do. Right. That determine where we are, where we're going, how fast, how slow, those kind of things. Right. We won't even get started on like accelerating your timeline by retracting it to you. Right. Those are there's so many things um, that we could be discussing. But what I want to do is talk about what, what, what the point of this was, is in seeing suffering, at least neutrally, right, where it's just it's just a fact of life. Right. 
human condition. I don't mean it in a pessimistic or nihilistic way. Just mean that, you know, if you poke me, you're going to affect nerve endings and I'm going to freaking hurt. Okay? If you poke me hard enough, something's going to break. That's going to be a whole different pain. Whatever. As I age, there's aches and pains, right? There's things that happen, right? But in the words of Clint Eastwood, right, who just turned 91, I think, right? 91, 92, something like that. They ask him, uh, you know, what his secret is. He says, every time I get up in the morning, every day, I get up and I keep the old man out. I just keep doing what I do, right? Will he drop at some point? Of course. His body will have run its course and he'll die, right? But he doesn't have to act like that today, right? So anyway, right? Um, but again, at a very, very base level, very neutral level, it's just, it's just a part of life, right? Right? There is no enduring happiness. Right? Well, that sucks. Yeah, but you know what? There's no enduring pain either. Unless we sit there rubbing the wound, right? Making it worse. Reminding ourselves, I got a boo-boo, I got a boo-boo. Right? That person bumped into me. It's right here. Right? right? For those of you on audio only, I'm poking the crap out of my arm. You know what? Now my forearm hurts. Right? <laughs> so, <laughs> but it'll go away. Right? But everything changes. Okay. The, the, the lesson in Mikio is not making a mountain out of a damn molehill. Okay? Because the truth is nothing hurts like pain. There's physical pain, right? But there's also psychological pain, psycho, psycho emotional pain, right? Uh, heartbreak and, and grief and all those kind of things that happen because of, you know, breakups and loss of a loved one and all those kind of things, right? But then there's this other thing, right? This, this, like, egocentric need for attention, for, for, uh, empathy, sympathy, whatever. Or if I lead with that, a couple of family members, family members that do that. If I lead with this, you feel sorry enough for me, you'll either do the hard stuff that I don't want to do, or you'll give me the stuff that I want that I don't think I can get for myself, right? That's hungry spirit realm, right? Um, so you'll take on the hardship so I don't have to have it. But all I have to do is walk around in this state of perpetual hunger, misery, whatever, right? So... But on the other side, we can look at suffering as a gift, right? We can look at it as a, look, how will I know there's good in the world? How will I even be able to recognize good if evil didn't exist? How will I be able to recognize beauty if ugly didn't exist? Now, 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 you can't talk about that because, like, everybody has value. And say they didn't. Even the worst evil monsters of the world, right, in Mikyo, are Buddhas and Bodhisattvas because they're teaching you how to be. Even if it's a negative lesson, be the opposite of this. Be something better than this. Right? Without suffering, right, without having, having endured what I did as a, as a child, as a teenager, I wouldn't have anything 
to not want to go back to. Right? By overprotecting ourselves, our kids, our students, whatever, right? We're robbing them of the need to develop skills that will move them farther down the line than they could go without them because the skills will help us go over, under, around, through, or have the patience to wait until it moves, right? Any obstacle or challenge that pops up in the world. Now, well, some of those could kill you, Sensei. Yeah, they could. And, and in the Buddhist uh, world, what they would say is, no worries. If you got a problem and you can do something about it, don't worry. Right? See, see, pain and sadness and all these kind of things, right? They're inevitable. Suffering is optional. Suffering's a choice. Right? And that's all I have to say about that. It's just, I just wanted to like shed this little insight kind of thing, but we have to be careful with the labels. If you think this was valuable, then we, right? Because you know, this is something I'm giving a lot of thought to, right? What kind of labels am I using that's preventing me from moving as far as fast? And I don't necessarily mean, like, uh, some people have, have tossed out little comments about, you know, success or whatever, and that means something different to everybody. Absolutely. I'm not telling you what you need to be doing when it comes to success. I'm talking about my own definition of things, right? My dreams, my aspirations, those kind of things, right? This is not about anybody. If you're living the life that you want to be living, right, truly, and you don't have any regrets, you don't have any, you don't have any feelings of sadness, like, you know, what I said earlier at the beginning of the uh, episode, right? Because I've, I've had people go, yeah, no, I'm good. Yeah, everything's good, right? And then I mention, right, that my wife and I are going on a cruise or we're going on a vacation, right? And you can see it. Oh. Well, that's cool. Really? Where'd that come from? Where'd that come from? Interesting, huh? Okay. It wasn't like, oh, that's cool. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's on my bucket list to do. You know, whatever, right? Or not. Oh, cool. I don't know if I can ever go, ever go to a boat. The ocean scares me. It's just too big. That's cool. Okay. That's all right. But... Tell me in one breath, I get all my shit together, and, like, I'm living my definition of success, and then somebody mentions something, and maybe you're good at, you know, the facade doesn't break, but inside, something changes, whatever, right? See, you got to be careful, right? Because at the end of the day, right, we have to go to sleep with the the consequences, right? We have to go to sleep with the either the knowledge and confidence and, and sense of well-being that it was a, a life well-lived, right, at the end, right, or a day well-lived or whatever, right? And I think, I, I think that's, to me, right, to me the purpose of life is, right, every night when I go to sleep, right? Even if there's agitation, even if there's shit, goddamn website's not fixed yet. Right. Or whatever it is. Right. Um, I can only do what I can do. Right. Is there frustration? Are these people pissing me off? Or whatever. 
Yeah, absolutely, right? But does that change? Like, uh, fuck it, right? Might as well just throw whatever, right? I'm tired of dealing with uh, James. How many freaking hosting companies have we gone through, um, you know, to get here, or changing, you know, within services within these things to alleviate problems? Whatever. But at the end of the day, right? I'm at the whim of people who collect a paycheck for working a certain number of hours. Right? And maybe you can relate to this. Maybe you've worked around or near people like this, right? Maybe you remember hearing yourself say this at some point in your life, right? You know, I'm getting the same amount of pay regardless of how much I do or how much I don't. I'm getting paid for eight hours, right? And we were at the whim of those people because they don't care that the entire time the website is down, my students aren't getting what they're paying for, right? We can't promote other programs and move forward. I can't recruit other students into the dojo. I don't give a shit because they're getting paid by the hour, not by the success, not by the number of problems they solved that day. And I'm not complaining because I choose to be in that realm, right? I'd rather be steering my own ship, right? But it is what it is, right? Anyway, all right, so I'm going to go to bed early tonight. I don't know that I'll fall asleep. or Well, I could turn my switch off. I just choose not to most of the time, right? But I have to be up at 3 a.m. for a 6.15 flight uh, for another flight later before I end up where I'm going and then whatever. So anyway, um, James, uh, questions, comments, whatever. I'm going to pop you open here. Ta-da! Look, it's mini me. I mean, it's mini James. <laughs> Why does the screen look smaller tonight? Maybe it's just me. I don't know if he's still on, but Carl was on and said hi first thing. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I get a chance to talk to Carl all that often. We communicate by email because he's on the other side of the planet, literally, like diagonally. <laughs> Northern, Southern Hemisphere, other side. <laughs> Attitude and longitude, right? Uh, Richard Demio asked, was Hatsumi Sensei an agent for Interpol? There's a YouTube video showing his badge. Hatsumi Sensei has many things that he was given honorarily. He was honorarily made a Texas Ranger. That doesn't mean he worked it. He has honorary university degrees, all those things. So, no, there were lots of gifts. Not that I know of, but I could be wrong. But he's never worked a day as a Texas Ranger, but he has a certification and a star and whatever came with it, right? Um, the keys to how many cities, whatever. So uh, not officially that I know of. He also has signed pictures from lots of strippers too, but hey, that's a whole different story. And they were actually training students, some of my peers at one point. I saw him in Guy. If I wanted to see him naked, I had to go to his office. He had him proudly displayed on the wall in his house and whatnot. This is how Sumi says they were, you know, walking around and whatever. And, you know, just there they were. He'd come in and go, oh, do you know Chrissy's son? She trains. Have you trained with her? There she is. Right? It's a promotional picture. So, uh, was he an aficionado of going to uh, strip clubs? No, no, no. 
He didn't take me, so I don't know for sure. I don't know. <laughs> I just know that he has, had lots of those pictures hanging up, right? So, anyway, what else? Uh, old ways training said creating success without clearing up her own bull crap seems like walking in deep mud or maybe something else with the same consistency. That's a good analogy. That's a good analogy. You just don't have, you just don't hear the, you know, <laughs> as you're trying to pull your foot up, right? Right. Um, well, that, you know, that's, that's a, a really good analogy because, um, so here's the thing, right? You're walking, it's like walking in the mud, right? So thinking about going across a bog or something like that, right? That's all muddy and whatnot, right? To get from point A to point B, now it's not going to be as fast as walking across the parking lot, right? From your car to the mall door or whatever, right? Or to the school or it's not going to be the same, right? So since it's not the same, do you walk the same to get across the bog? No, you got to pull a leg out, sink it back in, pull the next one out. And there's certain ways that you can move your feet, right? There's this crane stepping um, that is one of the seven stealth uh, walking kind of things, I think from the Kumagakure school. But when you're walking across like things that are dry leaves and whatnot, right? Which here's another secret from the stealth realm, okay? If you don't have to go through it, don't. Go around it. Well, that'll take longer. Yeah, but you're not going to make any damn noise. Nobody will know that you're coming. Why the hell would you risk needing heavy-duty skills? Well, you know, why have them if I can't use them? Well, that's just stupid, right? I mean, just <laughs> that's, anyway. So, but the walking method is going to be different to get across there. Because if you walk the same, right, I'm using my fingers for you guys on audio only, right? Walking, just if you do the same walking, like car to house door, whatever, to get in your house, right? Unless you park at the edge of the bog and your bog is your front. Yard. No, it just if, if you're doing the same walking steps, that, I mean, in Nijitsu, we have, I know, at least seven different walking methods for different stealth activities or different regular activities, right? Nine different fire building structures, five different fire building methods, all those kind of things. Why? Circumstances are different. It's the same essential skill set, fire building, stealth, whatever, but what are the conditions that I have to deal with in the process of doing that? Right? So we have to change Right? We can't change the situation, but we can adapt ourselves and the skills we use to navigate it, to not have to deal with it for as long. Right? And are we going to walk around with the same clothes and shoes full of mud once we get to the other side and don't need to walk through the bog? Well, I mean, our legs will get stronger because <laughs> everything's going to be heavy. Right? All this freaking dirt hanging off of it and all that, right? No, we drop the clothes, we launder them or throw them away, replace them with new. We're cut. This is, this is how our lives work anyway. But when it comes to change, I, I don't get it. Well, I do get it because if we don't make the connection, we'll never get it. Everything will be a struggle, but half the struggle, if not more, is caused by us because we won't freaking change. We won't adapt. And that doesn't mean you change forever. It just means that for this moment, this is what I need to do. 
right? But one of the labels, this is me, right? I don't know. I, I can't do anything about it. This is me, right? Nah, I'm not going to do that. that that's, that's, they're, they're screwed up over there, right? This is just me, right? Well, then there's a reason you can't get where you're going because the mandala, right, a 1,600-year-old tool that points out an over 2,500-year-old truth that's been proven again and again and again shows that the people you hate the most often have the tools you need to get through shit that you're finding it impossible to get through. Because they operate differently. And you have the tools that they need because you operate differently. It's kind of like the left-right political argument. The truth is they both need each other because they both counteract and rein in the opposite side so it doesn't frickin' run amok. But only walking the middle path, only from that perspective can you see that. Okay. Anyway, what else we got? He also said the birth of Jesus or Siddhartha and the death of Hitler both had a positive impact on the people of the earth. Hmm. I would also say that the death of Buddha and Jesus and the birth of Hitler had a positive impact on the people of the earth. <clears throat> the, booth, the birth of Buddha and the birth of Jesus also had a negative impact on, impact on people. I don't have to mention Hitler having a negative impact, right? But the birth of Buddha and the birth of Jesus also had a negative impact on people of the planet. Okay? How many people stop doing certain things or taking responsibility for certain things? Because both of those traditions allow you to pass that off or have someone else relieve you of the consequences. Just a thought. But then I'm an asshole. So. <laughs> truth is truth. Right? You know what a Buddhist does when two people are arguing over whether a barrel is half full or half empty? Knocks what? the barrel over and breaks it. The argument's only true, half full, half empty, because of the container, because of the conditions, because of the context, because of the situation. And if you emptied out that water, how many teacups could you fill with it? And they'd all be full. The container shapes the condition. Or the condition shapes the whatever. The situation shapes the conditions and the context. And you have to have the skills and the insight to understand what's needed in the moment. Oh, and by the way, the barrel is both empty and full at the same time, no matter how much water is in it. No matter how much liquid is there, it's still, the rest of it's filled with air. Nothing's empty. Anyway, I'm going to solve a problem. Break the thing that's causing the, the stopgap. 
right? Quickest way to make two enemies talk to each other is toss in a third element that they'll both hate. I solve so many arguments between people by being that third element. Because I'm okay with shouldering the brunt. I know what I did and why I did it. So if you're both hating me, now you're both on the same side. See how quick that was? <laughs> anyway, what else? Uh, <clears throat> Phil Jones said safe travels. Old ways training said safe travels and pleasant sleep. I'll tell you the same thing I tell everybody. As long as the plane don't crash and the boat don't sink, I have control of pretty much everything else. So thanks, I, but I appreciate it. Right? But it's also why I teach lessons like this. In the past couple of days, I've been teaching uh, certain lessons at the school because if it's the last one I end up teaching you, I want it to be significant. Not that the other ones were shit. <laughs> when they give you something that's going to last you for a while. Uh, anyway, I really want to thank everybody for, uh, uh, you know, following along and, and doing what you do. Uh, I don't know if some of you are catching up on, on old videos or the new ones or whatever, but like our YouTube statistics are just freaking just insane at the moment. Um, just the number of views and hours watched and, and all that stuff is just, um, that's pretty cool. So um, anyway, all right, that's it. I think that's it for me. James, you have anything to toss out there? Oh, um, while I'm gone, for those of you who typically sign up for the Friday virtual call or virtual uh, dojo lesson, there will still be one. Um, it's just one of the other, uh, one of the other Shidoshi at the, at the dojo will be teaching. But it'll all be set up. What we'll have to do is get, a, if for anybody that wants it, we'll have to get a um, just a, a direct PayPal link out because there won't be the normal kind of things. The Friday uh, class this week will not spring off, springboard off of a whiteboard Wednesday. Uh, James is going to be cycling through some of the other things that we have, right? Uh, whiteboard Wednesdays or uh, like for the, the guys that are my inner circle guys, Tuesday coaching calls, Friday coaching calls, prefer groups and whatnot. Tuesday group, uh, Tuesday group will probably end up getting like a Friday group, uh, lesson that you didn't get. Friday group, get a Tuesday group, that kind of thing, right? Uh, platinum guys, right? He'll, he'll find something. He'll, he'll find something, or platinum plus, find something to throw at you guys. Um, but they're going to keep managing things the whole time. Um, and then we do have, uh, we're almost, we're putting the finishing touches on a, uh, uh, kind of a, a step down program from, the Platinum program, which is for people that want rank and that want, like, all this stuff, like, regularly, not just the free stuff I put out, but the coaching calls, and we dive into weapons, we do all kinds of stuff, right? Um, uh, it's it's the class kind of things, right? So uh, we've been doing these Friday virtual things, which is just running a camera during our uh, master's class at the, at the academy, but we also have another one of those on Tuesday. So there's that, there's the Tuesday class. Uh, we're throwing a bunch of other uh, programs in as bonuses and uh, a coaching call once a month. You can jump on with my other inner circle people, that kind of stuff. We should be rolling that out here at the end of the month, uh, no later than the first week of uh, October. Um, so anybody wants to get on that, 
you'll see that. Um, also, don't forget, I'm going to be uh, relaunching the Ninja Mind program, which is a 10-week program. It comes with workbooks and all that kind of stuff. We're going to be working through these different um, mind science uh, things, right? Perspectives, uh, ways to, as, as now this is the, hopefully uh, YouTube doesn't catch us on this, uh, but it's, I'm just quoting from a title of a book, right? Um, we're going to unfuck ourselves, right? <laughs> By getting our heads on straight and really understanding how things work. So that, for anybody who wants to continue after that, uh, we've got this uh, first seven steps on the path of Buddha, uh, awakened one, not anything else, right? Awakened one. That is a precursor, prerequisite technique, uh, not technique, program for moving into Mikyo training proper. So if you're interested in any of those things, um, first thing that should happen is you should send an email in to warriorc at warriorconceptsonline.com, warrior-concepts-online.com, so James or I see it. Um, so we can put you on a uh, on a waiting list, and that way when we're ready to go, we've got dates and all that kind of stuff, you'll be the first to know because th those programs tend to fill up pretty quickly. And um, I'm, I'm putting a limit of 20 people um uh, for the Ninja Mind program because I want to be able to give one-on-one -on -one, and we're going to be including like um, email uh, coaching uh, Q&A calls and, th and things like that um, uh, and I, I can't I can't physically do more than 20 um, especially if everybody just is fully engaged so even if a quarter of them are fully engaged it, it's going to take a lot right so uh, but I've had a lot of folks asking questions about things like that, uh, looking like they want to you know, dive in more, and other people just flat out outright saying, you know, when are you going to run that one again? Is this in that program? But where I am now with, with regards to, you know, understanding that stuff or how I see it and the depth of, of, of how I see it and all that, compared to the, like, the program is available, right, as a, as a standalone pre-recorded kind of thing. But the difference between now and when I originally created that program, um, I, I can go into those things a whole lot uh, more deeply. So anyway, uh, anything else, James? No. Right. Well, everybody else, safe travels and safe and, and good sleep for you, too. Right. Remember, right, from the Miko perspective, sleep is known as the little death, right? Think about this. You go unconscious for how many hours, and then you wake up, right? Um, so every day is like, a, is like a life. Every moment is like a life, right? When you close your eyes, not necessarily for the last time, but every day, you close your eyes, can you have the feeling of a life worth living? Or a life well lived. No matter how, no matter what kind of crap happened that day, you're alive. You're breathing. You have the opportunity to deal with it. Right? It's going to teach you so many more things. It's another hammer blow to the red hot, white hot iron. That's going to forge that that tool. It's going to be both something that's deadly and functional, and also a work of art. Something worth beholding. Okay, that's it. That's what I got. I'll talk to everybody again next time. Be safe. Train hard. Live well.